dancing like nobody's watching. Like if I'm just dancing and nobody's watching. You're feeling yourself. Oh, yeah. You're just uh, dancing like nobody's watching. Uh, underrated. I feel like I should do it more. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Psychoactivision Presents. I'm your host, Peter Strickland, and we've got another great interview for you today. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to ask that if you're watching on YouTube, please hit those like and subscribe buttons. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Psychoactivision. For today's guest, I've got an old friend from college who I've mostly known as uh, an actor and a musician, but uh, he's kind of been throwing all sorts of surprises out there in the past few years because uh, he's he's got an online... Uh, Call Cthulhu show on YouTube and Twitch uh, ca uh, called Spot Hidden. And that's probably mostly what we're going to talk about today, but also reminisce and, you know, have some good times. <coughs> Excuse me. He is a four-time Grammy nominee and the sixth cousin twice removed of L. Ron Hubbard. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Hudson Hubbard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to know if any of that stuff's true, you got to watch the rest of the episode. So here we go. Yes, yes. Lord L. Ron Hubbard from, <laughs> from Middle Earth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, how's it going, dude? It's been a few years since we, I guess it's been since before the pandemic that we actually like connected. That's right. That's right. I, th I guess it would have been 2018, 2019 was yeah. probably the last time. Um, but yeah, no, everything's going well. Uh, just working just like you, working, yeah. working on our own stuff, um, just trying to make content. And yeah, we've been doing a, a podcast, Spot Hidden. Um, I was going to ask you kind of like exactly how you would categorize it because I've noticed something over the past few years that uh, Twitch has changed a lot. You guys, Would you say Twitch is how you primarily do things? Or, right. um, Twitch has changed a lot because whenever I was in college, it seemed like it was mostly like, video game uh, mm -hmm. just people streaming like you know, while they're gaming or maybe giving advice on that but uh now it's there's like a weird gray area between what's like a twitch stream and what's like a podcast and what's like because any kind of like long form content online is kind of labeled in that like oh it's a it's like a podcast so what how do you describe uh spot hidden to people if you're if they're just like i have no idea what that is like when you first introduce it to them so the way um myself london and matt describe it it's a, a podcast tv show yeah and so we don't really rely too heavily on it being a game even though we are playing a game but because we are actors voice act uh, voice actors we we come from that background so we're when we're using the material we're focused on the characters that we've created mm -hmm. and the story that we're trying to tell and so we we still are using the game to continue the yeah. story, you know, progress the story. But it's not so much as if we miss a rule or something, we stop and go, oh, wait, that's not right. We need to, you know, redo that. It's, yeah. it's more of, especially me, because right now I'm, I'm hosting um, the show. So me and London uh, have started the fifth campaign. Um, we started... I think August or September, London finished his six episodes, and then I picked up with the part two of mm -hmm. this campaign. And so right now I'm telling my part of the story. And so I know there's um, about two episodes ago, something happened in 
one of the uh, the scenes where they get uh, ambushed by these mercenary warriors and London's character actually got hit very hard with a sword and he almost died. Okay. Um, and so for me as the storyteller in that moment, I wanted his character to continue. And so he was badly wounded, even though the gameplay and the format would probably say otherwise, he was probably dead and he would need to rewrite yeah. another character. <laughs> um, but I made the executive decision to say, no, you've just been badly wounded and you're out of combat for right mm -hmm. now. Um, so yeah, uh, it's very fun, you know. So I guess what you're saying is like, it's like you uh, you guys aren't taking it, it, you know, you're taking it seriously in terms of like, you want to present a good show, but at the mm -hmm. same time, you're you're kind of like, we're not, we're not going to make it, you want it to be fun. I mean, that, that because no one's going to watch it if, you're, if they're like, I, I doubt there's someone out there who's like, well, they followed all the rules, but I didn't laugh or have a good time at all. This, you know, this episode, right. they would rather enjoy themselves a little bit or watch you guys enjoy yourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, we tend to have a few drinks while we're playing. Um, the first half is usually, well, the first five minutes, I should say, is pretty serious. And then after that five minutes, there's jokes being cracked. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, characters tripping over bananas or yeah. something like that, you know, um, so it's we definitely don't try to take it too serious, but there are very strange moments where something happens within the story and it does lend itself to being serious mm -hmm. and everybody respects that. And you kind of have this kind of natural moment where you're kind of like feeling like, whoa, you know, we mm -hmm. just made this kind of piece of the story just you know out of nowhere. It was naturally formed mm -hmm. and it kind of felt good. And then five minutes after that, we'll be cracking up jokes again, yeah. you know? Well, I feel like that's a natural kind of ebb and flow that you, uh, that's kind of how I enjoy any piece of art is that I, you know, these days at least, I don't really want it to be too serious or too silly. I want something kind of in between or, you know, a good mixture of different things. But I kind of want to know a little bit about did you see other shows that were like this uh, and did you kind of like follow their format or was it something where you, cause I'm not super familiar with like with that genre of, of a uh, podcasting or just, you know, online content. Uh, is there a lot of stuff like that out there? There is. Um, so I'm in the same boat as you. I did not really, and I, I still don't really yeah. watch that type of podcast um, style shows. Mm -hmm. Because when, when I play or, or performing in the RPG setting, I enjoy it, but watching it and listening to it is very difficult sometimes mm. with other podcasts and stuff. Now, now you have the big one that everybody kind of knows of, uh, Critical Role. Mm. Now, Critical Role, they are probably the biggest, safe to say, um, podcast TV show out there. Um, Amazon actually picked them up and they have their own little cartoon show where they've taken some of their older episodes of the games that yeah. they played, re-recorded the lines and put it out as a cartoon Dungeons and Dragons That's style cool. fantasy. Um, and so that, you know, we've always kind of had that in the back of our mind going, man, that'd be kind of cool to have, you know, yeah. one day maybe take some of the older episodes and somehow animate, you know, re-record, yeah. you know, a lot of the dialogue and um, just have that. Um, but yeah, so originally, so COVID hit in 2020, as we all know, and a lot, we were, you know, I was stuck at home, London was stuck at home. 
Um, and so London had actually hit me up and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on Zoom later playing Call of Cthulhu with two friends. Do you want to join? And I was like, I, I've never played Call of Cthulhu. And me and London had played D&D, which yeah. is kind of the big RPG that everybody knows yeah. of. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we played that in college with Dylan Rimfro. Mm-hmm. You remember Dylan? And that was the first time I was kind of exposed to that type of gameplay, that format. And so I was like, wow, this is, you know, very cool. When I, when I first heard about D&D, I was kind of like, nah, you know, I'm a nerd, but I ain't no super nerd, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though it. I'm sure there are people out there who'd say, you know, otherwise. I but... think Stranger Things made it popular again in the right. modern world, which, I mean, that's a good and bad thing. You probably, it's probably, it's probably like an oversaturation for a little while whenever Stranger Things has a new season. But at the same time, you'd rather it be more popular, so... Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I went in with kind of open mind when I was mm-hmm. playing with London and Dylan um, in college and I had a blast because you get to create your own character, you know, somebody else's, you know, visually describing the scene, you know, yeah. the landscape, you know, we, we consider it theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um and so I fell in love with it. And then after college, you know, there was like a year I hadn't played, you know, but then London called me up and was like, hey, you know, you want to play this? And I had mm-hmm. never heard of Call of Cthulhu. You know, I've heard of H.P. Lovecraft and his work before, but I'd never played any Call of Cthulhu style games. And so I jumped on with him and we played and, I, you know, I fell in love with it. because it, So Call of Cthulhu's RPG format is more heavy on the role-playing aspect and there is the gameplay but there's more role-playing that mm-hmm. is required whereas in D&D there's more gameplay mechanics you know when you get into combat it could take you know an hour or two to get yeah. out of that um, and so we continued to play on Zoom for a very long time um, for a couple of months and then me and London were talking and at this point Matt had joined us and so we we're all three talking and we were like, man, it'd be kind of cool if we could, you know, put this out there, you know, maybe just stream it on YouTube mm-hmm. or Twitch, something like that. And so we kind of said, all right, let's 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 do it, you know, and then we came up with the name Spot Hidden. And so in Call of Cthulhu, the game by Chaosium, there is a role that you have to make. If your character wants to look around and try to find something, if you're looking for a clue, you need to roll a Spot Hidden. Okay. And so that's where we get the name from. Um, and we, we found a design that we liked and, uh, we went with it. And so we started our own Instagram page, you know, started throwing our socials out there, you know, telling people, Hey, we're going to go live with our first episode on this day, you know, tune in, join us. Well, we got a call, London got a call from Chaosium Mm -hmm. who makes the game. Yeah. And said, hey, we would like to do um, sort of a partnership with you guys. Um, we're not, we're not, it's not a paid partnership or yeah. anything, but we'd love to, you know, throw you out there, you know, let everybody know what you're doing and stuff. We might, we can give you some merchandise to give out in the streams and stuff. And we were like, yeah, definitely. So we're, we're always in talks with Chaosium. You know, they help us out, we help them out. And so we, we started off that first episode really strong, and then ever since we've just kept on going with different stories. We're in our fifth campaign now, and we do one shots, and we've been on other people's um, podcasts and shows. I was lucky enough back in April uh, to get a call from Modifius, 
um, they're the other kind of well, not sister, but they're just another game yeah. company, big like Chaosium. Mm -hmm. And they had hit me up and said, hey, do you want to um, run a two episode campaign on our, our channel or yeah. our Twitch channel doing Octung Cthulhu? And Octung Cthulhu is more my speed because it's called Cthulhu set in World War II. Oh, yes. interesting. So, nice. um, so I got to do that. Uh, and it, it was very fun because there were, I didn't know at the time, but London told me that the people that I was working with were very big people in that industry. So that yeah. was kind of a big thing. There was a voice actor who had worked on multiple DC cartoon um, stuff. So I work with them, get to talk to them, you know, you know, that's awesome. Dig and dissect their, their brains, ask them their opinions on stuff. That was yeah. fun, you know? So let me ask you then, um, because, you know, uh, since the last time we hung out and since the last time we really saw each other and spent much time together, uh, things have kind of changed in the world, but also, you know, like this is a, an, uh, an industry or like a, it's like a world, a community that you probably didn't, weren't really aware of before. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you then, uh, because I, I think, you know, if I've known you well enough over the past few years, I know, you know, about your interests that you, you would describe yourself as like a nerd that you like, you know, things like Star Wars or fantasy, things like that. But, um, it seemed to me like, you know, back in college, you were, you had a, a lot of an interest in, you know, like in mostly, I guess, being in like an actor. Cause that's what, you, mm -hmm. what we were studying. And then, um, now that you kind of see this world though, let me ask you this, like it, if you were given the choice, like they had the same, like, you know, pay and things like that. If you found out like you had a steady gig as like, you know, acting in like a TV show or something, as opposed to like, you know, being able to do a show like you're doing now and getting paid the same, like what, wh where's your passion lie these days? Like what, what are you, what are you most interested in? And you can say that you're interested in everything, but I, I guess I'm just curious to know if like your mind has changed over the years and if you're more like, actually this online stuff is kind of cool. Like, you know, it's easy to do because you're at home and I'm just kind of curious to know like where, where you kind of want to go, you know, next or what your desires and dreams are in that way. Um, my mind has definitely changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. since uh, college. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the honest, the honest truth. Um, Hit me. So after college, I was not feeling it. Like I was wiped out. I did not have motivation. I just was not, not feeling it, you know? I, and so, cause I mean, I just felt like I had worked a lot in those four years and then it was just like I needed a break and I think me as an artist and I, I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there who felt the same way but it's you know as an artist sometimes you need to rest that muscle mm -hmm. you know and so I took a, a break and I wanted to be like a couple of months and I did it for a couple of months, tried to get back into it, still was not motivated. Mm -hmm. And then a year went by and then COVID hit and I'm still kind of not motivated to pursue, you know, film or stage acting, but we were doing spot hidden and I still felt like, you know, th this is me being able to, you know, still use that muscle, mm -hmm. but just in a different way. <clears throat> and I really felt like and still feel like was spot hidden because 
we, so with with spot hidden i i really feel like it's you know all three of us and whoever else is with us at the time it, it's us making our own work just like you're doing right now mm-hmm. and i i am that is where my mind is right now is making my own work because you know for four years it was a lot of you know going to auditions you know there, there weren't big cattle calls but you know yeah. it was a lot of you know when you graduate you're going to be doing a lot of cattle calls you know and there are a lot of people who graduate and are very lucky, you know, and I'm very proud of them, very happy for them. And they've done a lot of good stuff, you know, but I was just, I was not ready to go and do cattle calls. And that might seem selfish. I, you know, I don't know, but that, that was just the honest truth. I just, I was very tired and I honestly also did not feel good with my performances that mm-hmm. last year. I felt like I was so tired that a lot of the characters that I was playing i was just kind of half-assing am i allowed to cuss on here (laughs) you can say whatever you want um so i i didn't feel good about it and so i just wanted to take a break to rest that muscle but also kind of refine and try to find a new version of my skill yeah that i could use um and you know and me and you were in a lot of you know shows together Antigone, mm-hmm. Civil War, Christmas, and I was trying to remember Frankenstein. where you, Frankenstein. Because that, that's when we first mm-hmm. kind of met and kind of started to become friends. Because uh, we were in a lot of scenes together. Right. Yeah. Right. Were, were you in Mr. Burns? I played drums in Mr. The drums. Burns. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That was which okay. I loved that show, um, and I thought I thought it was a great production. Um, that was like probably some of the most fun I had on a show. Um, but it, uh, for some reason, that one was weird for me. I think it was because it was in like, it happened in like April of my senior year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. I, like, I remember being backstage during like a show and having to start, like, I was going through emails where it was like, you're about to graduate. Here's your student loan information. Like, <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I, I just want to think about the show, but right. I'm back here. You know, it's like, or, you know, it was, it was shit like that where, that I feel like you're any show you do your last semester of college, you're kind of like your brain is in a million other places. Cause like at the time from probably like February through, you know, all of the summer, I was still, you know, applying for internships and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, but anyway, Mr. Burns was really fun. Yeah. I, I, I liked that show a lot. Um, I think it's, uh, one of my favorite like scripts that I've ever, you know, been able to be involved with on a, a whole production level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting show. <laughs> Can we just? Uh, and this is not me trying to, you know, uh, this is not anything personal against anybody. Not that anybody fucking watches this, but, but I just say I, I, I watch it. I think Antigone is had to have been my my least favorite experience really? of any play I was in in college. Really, mostly just because I could almost feel the audience just like losing their attention span mm-hmm. during it. I I just don't think that it like. Personally, I think if you're going to do Greek theater or Shakespearean theater in today's world, you have to do it in some kind of way that like, it doesn't have to be gimmicky, but like, I felt like ours was very, uh, even though it was trying to be different, I was like, this feels very, I don't know. It was just kind of like bland. I don't know how else to put it. And it wasn't anybody's acting's fault. It was like, mostly I was like, I just don't think this is a very interesting story. It's like, it's so much talking, like at least with Oedipus Rex. There's like action. It's like fucked up action, but there's action. And then Antigone was just like, 
it, like half the play was just London and Kaylee, you know, doing monologue after monologue at each other. And I was like, there's no way the audience is like, like engaged with this based on the text, not based on the acting. The acting was great. It was just, you know, that's how I felt about it. So that's right. They did have like an hour long scene. It was. We're all in the back. We literally <laughs> just went to the back and like, and talked and fucked around. Cause like we, I had like maybe two lines. So I was like, it's not like I'm going to get out of character for this, you know, but right. um, I think, I think if I'm, if I'm laying it on the table, uh, you know, because I'm willing to be honest about this. And I know a lot of people, I've met people who, you know, graduated. I don't think that, and, and I went to, two, I went to two different schools. So like I can compare theater programs, at least the, the school that I started at, uh, for college was a lot smaller than Auburn. Mm-hmm. Auburn's theater program. I did not think prepared me for the practicality of what being trying to get a career in theater after college was it was a lot of like idealistic situations it was like well if you're you know if you're working on this show you're gonna want this and this and i'm like half the time in my professional experience half the time it was almost impossible just to get your foot in the door for auditions they wanted you like when i was living in atlanta i remember trying to get auditions at places and in order for me just to get auditions or even considered to be on a list for an audition you know because i wasn't like a well-known actor there or anything i was just like a cow call kind of thing i had to basically like volunteer to work there and build their sets or you know and all this stuff i was even offered an internship in atlanta one time uh uh at a at actors express it was weird because like I, i i the year i graduated i auditioned for that internship and i really wanted it because i was moving to atlanta and i was like I need something as like a backbone of like creative stuff to do. But dude, those internships are so exploitative because literally what, like what I did not realize whenever I first was like really wanting to do it is how much time they require out of you. Cause literally they're like, it's about 40 hours a week unpaid. And the most you really get out of it is that you get to like, you get to be an understudy for one show Mm -hmm. as in throughout the whole school year that you are like an intern there's one show you get to be an understudy and you maybe get one performance in front of people. And it's like probably like a, you know, not even paid performance or something. It's like something like that. It, that was basically what I, and I remember, I, so like I, the year that I didn't get it, I was like, man, this sucks. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The following year, I had been in Atlanta for a year. I auditioned for it again and I got offered it. And then I looked at like, I was like, oh, I'm already like killing myself working a 40 hour week job just to pay my bills. So I'm going to add another 40 hour a week job that right. I don't even get paid at. And I barely even get any. And then like, and they were, they would try to tell you like, well, you get to take classes. And I'm like, I took classes in college. Like, you know, and I, I can just, anyway, it, it's one of those things where I feel like theater as a whole is like the complete opposite of the film industry where the film industry, there's a lot of people who are making money for no reason, a lot of money for no reason. <laughs> the theater industry, there's a lot of people who deserve to make at least something and they're making not shit. But anyway, I just had a lot of my, my, here's my point going to Auburn towards the end when I was really trying to get like practical advice and like instruction from my professors, half of them hadn't even worked in the professional world. So they didn't understand like, and, and, and half of them were making 75 to a hundred thousand dollars or more. So they didn't understand, you know, like how hard it is to move with no money to a city like Atlanta or New York or anywhere and try to like, you know, work and pay your bills. And then also maybe audition for like a play. I got, I got fucking tired of it. So I, I haven't been in a play in years. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, I love theater, but on a, uh, basically, uh, in a cerebral way, not in like a practical way, because anytime that I've been involved in a play as like a professional, 
I've been exploited. I've been underpaid. I've been like, you know, it's not worth your time. And, you know, is what it seems. But so many people do it because they love it. And that happens in the film industry, too, where some, you know, I've been exploited in the film industry, too. But they're more they have more of a precedent of like, if you're showing up here, I got to pay you, you know. And anyway, that's just my experience. Uh, Did any of that ring true for you? I agree with you 100 (laughs) percent. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so very glad that we're doing this because, yeah, this, man. you know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we shared the same opinions also. And I, I, you know, I'm sure there's other people out there who feel the same way. Cause it's just, you know, uh, we, we went there for four years, you know, and we gave it our all. And there's a lot of us who have come out of it very tired, unmotivated, or they are motivated, but they have no idea where to go because it's this big, you know, that big world, yeah. you know? And so, you know, and, and back to your question. So like, <clears throat> you know, I, I went to Atlanta to look around, try to see if I could rent or purchase, you know, somewhere in, and I just could not find anywhere because it's just very expensive, you know, and I also didn't have a job at the time up there. So I bought a place here in Auburn mm-hmm. and I've been there for about two years now. And, you know, I love it and everything, but so we're talking, trying to go back to the question. So, well, I was going to say, if you want me to, I can chime in for a second. I was yeah, going to yeah. say, I love the modern world we live in that the internet, even though it is oversaturated, it's an accessible place. It like, cause even, even when, I mean, I graduated from college in 2018 and what's crazy is like, I didn't get into podcasting or making my own like online content until, uh, closer to like 2020, like the pandemic. Right. And, uh, in general though, like I looking back on it, I'm like, I wish that I had been learning how to like do this when I was in school it, because like this, you can just see the practicality of like where something, I know some people are like, there's. There's some hoity-toity artistic people who are very like, you know, well, a podcast isn't like art. And I'm like, this is, it's, but here's what it is. It's something that you own that no one else really like has, you know, even once you get, even if you get like sponsored, you're beholden to someone. I love doing this show so much because I can kind of say and do whatever I want, obviously within reason, but you know, because I'm like, it gets like 50 views an episode. So like, it's. I'm not, you know, it, it, but it also, even if it got a million views an episode, I'm, I would probably just run it the way I want to run it because there's no one who's telling me, oh, I don't like this or that. And, you know, I would take criticism, but I guess in general, I just got tired of like the film industry and theater. You need so many resources and so many people to make it work. Like if you want to audition for a play, you know, you're just a tiny piece in that mm-hmm. right now. We're, there's two people in this room and it's so nice. I could, I, I'm not interesting enough to be on a podcast by myself, but you only need one person to do a podcast. So like it, I love online content in that way. I even love, uh, what's happening now in like, I'm a huge comedy fan. I watch a lot of comedy podcasts and just, uh, stand up specials and things like that. What's happening in the world of comedy these days. I love where comedians who have worked on like who people are really, really like, you know, who have worked on, you know, content for, five to 10 years, but no one Netflix and Hulu haven't given them money for a special and all that. Right. Um, they've started to just be like, okay, I'll save up money over several years. And then they'll save up like, you know, 20 to $40,000 and spend that on getting professional videographers to film, uh, at like a nice venue. And they, they have to cut some corners here and there to make it look like a professional thing the way they would if they had Netflix's money. 
But at the same time, these days, it's pretty affordable. You can even do it for less money than that. Put put together like a comedy special or a short film or something. And actually, that's something that I'll throw out there. Since we both live in Auburn now, I really, I've had the bug to to write and create like short films. Because like, really, I'm a movie Done. Done. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I'm happy to hear that someone else, you know, is like trying to do that kind of thing. For whatever reason, like, I'm not even saying like uh, dramatic, cinematic, like films. I just like have some kind of thing in me that's like, I don't want to make, like, I, I want to make something that's a little more refined than like TikTok content, mm-hmm. but is not as, uh, not so highbrow or like cinematic that it's unaccessible. I kind of like, I, I've seen some comedians who they'll make like, a funny short film that's like 10 minutes long, put it on YouTube. And then like, it's a way for them to showcase what they do, but also to be like, go watch my podcast, go catch me on the road. It's like, it's a way to promote every other thing that they're doing. I just love the idea that people are putting out like movies, TV specials, and like even, even a podcast is like its own, it's like a talk show. So, right. right. Um, Anyway, have you been kind of like that with the past few years, though? It sounds yeah. like you agree with me that you're just like, make your own content. That's what yes. you need to do. Yes, so that's where my mind is, is making my own content and how to go about that. But so uh, back through going through the years. So I finally, just a couple of months ago, got my motivation back to begin to start trying to pursue the, you know, the other avenues yeah. of acting that I was pursuing back in college and before that. <clears throat> Because that's, you know, who I am as an artist. I will always be an entertainer or an actor. And and so I, I finally get that motivation. So I'm trying to pursue it through voice acting and whatever else that is. But I'm still wanting it to be making my own content. Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad that you're here because we could, you know, possibly do that, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just... I, I really, you know, there, there's so much good stuff out there right now, with, especially ever since COVID hit. A lot of people have turned away from, you know, going to the theaters, which is very sad because I'm a huge theater guy. I love to go to the theater and yeah. watch a movie. But a lot of the movies that are coming out today, big Hollywood movies, they're not doing well in the box office. They're taking huge hits and it's not good. But a lot of people are going to YouTube yeah. and, and Twitch sometimes to watch People make their own content. And I, I think that's where it is now because we do have the technology, you know, to make, you know, your own small little short film. Yeah. And there's film festivals out there that love people to bring in, you know, their 15 minute, 30 minute, you know, yeah. movies and, you know, show them off, showcase them. And I, I honestly wish there was more of that kind of scene in Alabama because mm. I know, you know, Atlanta's like the the sister to Hollywood, you know, now. There's definitely a lot of a lot more indie filmmaking there. But I was going to say uh, Birmingham has something called like the Sidewalk Film Fest or something mm-hmm. they do every year that like I think that's like some more local content. But um, you're right. Atlanta has like it's crazy all the different stuff they had. It would be like. It, like, like I remember one time when I, when I saw that they had like a Jewish film festival in Atlanta, I was like, specifically those, <laughs> like, I think, I think maybe for like Jewish directors or subjects around Judaism. And I was like, that's crazy that that's a, an entire film festival in Atlanta because you just kind of like, maybe you would expect that in like New York or LA or something. But, uh, it's, yeah, dude, it, it, I, I really like that. The fact that it is so accessible, but let's talk about saturation. Then I hate the fact that like, 
like if I if I had started this podcast, you know, ten years ago, it uh, which is crazy. I actually would have been old enough. I would have been like a freshman in high school. I could have done that. I mean, not not high school, uh, college, but um, it would have been it would have stood out a little bit more because there just wasn't so much stuff out there. And mm-hmm. these days, I feel like there's some podcasts that don't really need to exist. Right. And let me, let me like for example, let me tell you, I used to work at a company in Atlanta that was a sporting goods company, and um. Uh, you know, I, they were okay to work for, but some of their content was just, it was like, it was marketing for their products veiled as like information that you needed as like, because it was a sporting goods company. They did a lot of tennis stuff. They had a podcast called like tennis talks or something where it was like, you know, an hour podcast where they're just kind of like, the only episodes that were worth anything to me were the ones where they would interview like Roger Federer or like an actual tennis player. But the rest of the episodes, it was just like three or four people who work there who are tennis players who were just kind of like talking about a new product and stuff. And I was like, who wants to, uh, but people are listening, I guess. But my point is I'm kind of like, this is just marketing. It's just a way to get people to, to buy that product from them. It's not really like, I would appreciate content like that a little bit more if it's like a, a tennis person who's not looking for like to make money off of it. They're mm-hmm. just like, let me tell you about why I love this thing because there are videographers who do that with cameras all the time that they're, they even say like, I'm not getting paid. I just love this camera. Let me show you about it. But I don't know. Do you feel that way though? Do you get a little uh, overwhelmed by just the fact that it's like the online world is a bit, it's kind of hard because there's not like a centralization of anything anymore. It's like so scattered. Well, uh, so I'll speak from kind of the RPG yeah. podcast, uh, background that I have now, I guess. Yeah. Um, we do notice now that, you know, after we started and a couple other people started during that time period, that there has been kind of an increase mm-hmm. of podcasts to start and, you know, do the same kind of, you know, Call of Cthulhu or Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, Octung. Um, there's uh, hundreds of other RPGs out there now that are just keep coming out. Yeah. Um, and I think really, you know, what we talked about earlier, having that serious comedy, you know, duality to keep, you know, people interested. Yeah. It, it definitely is required for something like that. Um, and there's, you know, God bless them, but there are some out there who keep on going, keep keep trying it. Because, I mean, we're, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, you know? no, no, I and get I mean, it. Sometimes you need that bad example though, and you're not trying to, you're not trying to be like a hater, but you're also trying to be like, this makes me feel better about my podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But you know, and and there's a there's a lot of good people out there that are are doing it because they they love it, and and there's also the people who are doing it because they love to play the game. Yeah. And so they're not more. They're not worried about the the story or mm. the characters. They want to play the game that Chaosium has created, yeah. and we're I, I wouldn't say the opposite, but we're taking the game that Chaosium has created. But we're more worried about the story that we want to tell that we've come up with, you know, just yeah. ourselves, you know. Yeah. So yeah, no, I just. It's uh, definitely I, I I don't want to say saturated in that kind of area a podcast but i would say there are a lot of podcasts out there now for a lot of different things Mm -hmm. and i i'm very guilty of listening to a variety of different podcasts these days more than watching 
movies and stuff. And Dude, well, he, you know why I think that is? I listen to so many more podcasts now than I ever did, I mean, than I ever watched movies because I can put my headphone in mm-hmm. and walk away from my phone or, or whatever it's playing on and I don't have to, I can listen to it for a minute, come back, I didn't really miss anything. Although I will say every now and then there's podcasts where they're very video heavy, where it's like they play videos and they react to them or something, or they're doing things on screen. For those podcasts, though, I wonder, like, how do you guys get any audio listeners? Because, like, you know, uh, like one of my favorite comedy podcasts is Your Mom's House with Tom Segura and mm-hmm. uh, his wife, Christina P. And they uh, I don't really watch it every all the time these days because it's, it's really long. It's like sometimes like three hours. But but I used to listen to it at work and it sucked because they would play videos like from YouTube and TikTok and react to them like funny videos. And so for years, I was only I would be at work listening and I would just hear these funny like bits of audio and eventually I would see the person in the video and I'd be like, that's not how I pictured them at all. So point being, podcasting is weird because it started out as an audio format and some people are like, that's what it's really supposed to be. And I'm like, I think video makes it, it enriches it. That's that's what I am as a video person. So like the audio is kind of secondary, honestly, but you know, for me. When uh, we were talking about, you know, doing the show live and stuff with Spot Hidden, um, that was one of our goals that we kind of had a dream of, you know, maybe one day um, being able to, you know, enhance it to where it's a new kind of uh, entertainment format. Yeah. Because that's something I would love because I, I feel like in my personal opinion, Hollywood, what they're putting out these days, they do have their kind of golden goose that does come out from yeah. time to time. And it's like, wow, that was great. But then there's so much of, and, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that's going to be like, Hudson, what are you talking about? You love those movies, but Marvel and Star Wars. See, I, I was, I was hoping, uh, <laughs> dude, that is an oversaturated yes, market. It, like very. <laughs> well, and, I, I'm, and you're a fan. I mean, like I'm a fan generally of uh, Star Wars. I got to say, I have never seen a Marvel movie all the way through because on a personal level, it's not, it's not, it's not, I'm just not interested in superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. But eventually, I've heard people like you, like my family loves the Marvel movies, but eventually they were like, I'm kind of tired of them. Because right. like, they're just, there's just so many. Right. And, and they don't seem like they're ready to stop. Like they just want to keep making keep them. Going. Yeah. And so like in 2019, we got Endgame. Mm-hmm. And that was the big climactic, you know, Infinity yeah. Saga. It was coming to a close yeah. and it closed. And so that to me was Marvel's, you know, epic climax plus, you know, the... Epilogue, yeah, Damien. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> where where do you go from there? You yeah. know, it's like if you got thirty more stories to tell, you got you know two more big villains, I guess, in the yeah. Marvel universe that can top Thanos, who mm-hmm. is the big one um, in that saga. And now he's gone, and there's the multiverse. So yeah. can they bring him back? It's just all that. And it's kind of like, yeah, uh, I get it. You know, it's a comic book, you know, there's thousands and thousands of Marvel comic books that do that, you know, but it's just at some point you got to go, I want something new. And yeah. that's also where I'm at. I want something new and refreshing. And mm-hmm. I love what a 24 has been doing. A 24 yeah. has been coming out with like a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. They're very, and, and they can be kind of experimental while also being like having, I mean, it's experimental, but not like weird and uh, like H24 made Lady Bird, right? I, I think they did. I don't uh, know if they did Lady Bird. I know they did The Witch. 
Um, oh, Midsummer. The Witch is great. Oh my God, Mid Midsummer is like the ab absolute, like the scariest movie I've ever seen. The Green Knight. Um, they've done uh, they have Hereditary. I haven't seen that, but I wanted to. They had one that came out with Pete Davidson a few months ago that I wanted to see where it looks like people are at a, a house party and someone keeps like killing people or something. It's oh. like they're like, you know, it's like a crazy house party where they're like jumping in the pool and drinking and stuff. But I, I can't remember what it's called, but that one looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, they're, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. I heard a comparison on a podcast recently that I, that I didn't even think about, but it's like a good comparison. Uh, Marvel movies in our modern era are, it's the same kind of like oversaturation of those that Westerns were in the yes. 60s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, when you look at the 60s, you're like, why did they make so many of the same movie? <laughs> like, they all kind of are the same. And there's a few good ones that stand out, but like, so many of those Clint Eastwood movies, I'm like, you could have made that, like those three movies into one, and it would have been, you know, but. Well, yeah, and, and The Man With No Name. The, yeah. Those three, to me, are some of the best Western yeah. films. Now, I understand, like, the serial kind of Western TV shows. You know, those. There were so many. Yes. And yeah. I mean, they were very oversaturated, you know. And if you look at the time period of when those came out, you know, there's a reason, you know, for those style, you know. It was after World War II, you know, you have a lot of young boys who are seeing their fathers, you know, come home yeah. from war, and they want to also experience that adventure that they kind of hear their dad talking about. You it know? was probably also easy to make, like, I think that if you had one Western, like, desert background, it looked the same in all of them. So I feel like it was probably easy in a studio to just, like, you know, roll those things out because they're like, well, we don't really have, like... We're going to use this chase scene from, you know, the same set from this one as in this one. Because right. we just, like, change a couple, uh, throw a couple more, uh, what do you call it, tumbleweeds in there and we got it, you know. But Put that cactus over there. <laughs> there were some good movies. Some, uh, there were some, like, random ones in the 60s. Like, the only movie that uh, Marlon Brando ever directed was One-Eyed Jacks, mm -hmm. which is, like, a Western from, like, 1965 or something. And... It's a pretty good movie, but like there's a couple spots in it where you're kind of like, I feel like he, he definitely directed this because it's not, it's a little more weird or experimental. There's like shots of just like an ocean wave like hitting over and over and you're like, okay, I think I'm thinking about the right movie. But anyway. Um, That's funny because I've been, the last character that I voiced on Spot Hidden, yeah. I based it off of Marlon Brando. So I've been <laughs> watching and listening to Marlon Brando a lot lately. You ever seen Robin Williams do his impression of Marlon yes, Brando? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I watched a documentary on Hulu about Robin Williams not that long ago. I don't know if I finished it, but it was really good because they mostly used audio from him in interviews as like the narration. So as they're going through, they'll have like a person talking about him and like shots of him from that era. And then it'll be like him answering an interview question and it like perfectly lines up with how they're telling the story of his life. But, uh, He's one of those people that uh, it's so strange, you know, what ended up happening with him near the end of his life because right. so many people close to him were like, yeah, I mean, everybody has depression, but like he seemed fine. But, you know, that's just what happens, I guess. Um, let's transition a little bit. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it's a little depressing. Yeah, no, um, no, no. Do you still, I mean, I'm assuming you still uh, play drums and, you know, uh, I mean, maybe not like in a band, but like you still play for fun. I don't have room for my drums, so I have not played in almost two years now. Wow. So, uh, but I still ear drum from time to time. <laughs> I still, I'm still I'm sure my, my like... leg, my leg still goes, you know, for the bass drum. Um, were you ever one of those people, uh, did you drum when you were pretty young, like in middle mm -hmm, school or high school? Because mm -hmm. I, I would get people getting on to me all the time because I'd be sitting in class and I'd be thinking of a song and I'd just be like. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I like, would do the. Stop. Yeah. yeah. And so. 
I mean, it's still there. I just, I need the room to get no, it No, dude, I get it. Because uh, you I know mean, me, I love Neil Peart. So my drum set was that. R.I.P. Yeah, um, yes. He's great, but yeah, there were times where I was like, do you need all that? Do you, I mean, he probably does, but also uh, I think Tommy Lee would do that kind of thing too, where you'd have just like, you know, drums all around. Well, I think Tommy Lee had the cage that would like spin did, him yeah. around and stuff. Well, it was Neil Peart, he had the acoustics. Uh, the, and then on the back, he had the, mm. the electrics, you know, and um, I, I don't know. It's just, I love Neil Peart. I'm very impressed, though, when I see a drummer uh, who literally has just like a bass drum, a snare and like a crash cymbal or something mm-hmm. and like a hi-hat. And they're like playing some ridiculous stuff because it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to have all the sounds that. But when someone can take like one drum, like a snare drum and get you know, all these different sounds out of it. Like I've seen people who that's all they have. And then they are turn the snares on and off for solos and like, you know, bending the head and right. stuff. So like, it, it's really cool when, you know, people get use uh simplicity or minimalism as like a, yes. a positive or a yes. plus. A lot of jazz musicians can do that. Yeah. Very well, I'm not a, I'm not a really fast drummer. So like I, uh, I love listening to like, I got really into metal over the past few years mm-hmm. and I love listening to someone who can play, ridiculous you know double bass and tom fills and stuff where i'm like i can't play that fast at all but it just it's just i've realized i'm like i don't think that's who i am that's just not my body's not gonna move the way that because for some people you listen to them play like a a really fast lick and you're like how did your body even move fast enough to you for you to do that um this is probably a good transition period i want to play a game i've got okay cool yeah yeah let's do it um in, uh, Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> the next three hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> are you uh, you're familiar with the uh, Pitchfork, the website, the the music review website? Um, I don't I don't think so. So like uh, they're a little pretentious. I don't love them these days. I used to. Pitchfork is uh, they're like an online music review site. They mainly review like indie music, mm-hmm. but it's kind of turned into. A very pretend. They also rate albums, and they'll be like, "There's all these albums where they're like, this one gets a ten out of ten, and you're like, really? Like, why would you rate it perfectly? But then they're, you know, anyway, they're a pretentious. But one thing I like that they used to do is they would do these video segments with uh, with artists uh, called Over Under, and so that's what we're gonna play today is Over Under. And what I what it, what it is is I will give you uh, something, whether it's just like one word or a scenario or something, and then you have to tell me if it's overrated or underrated. Okay. And uh, those are your only two options. Okay. So it's no, you know, don't be a wimp and be like, it's it's rated perfectly fine. Just, you know, <laughs> is it overrated or is it underrated? And uh, a short explanation why, you know, if you just, you can just sometimes be like, because that's how I feel. But I don't know. <laughs> but I think it makes it more fun if you explain a little bit. All right. So over under with Mr. Hudson Hubbard. Here we go. Number one, going to the beach. Overrated. <laughs> why? Everybody does it. (laughs) (laughs) Not people with uh, skin problems. I don't think they do. Yeah, that's true. Not vampires. That's true. How about uh, e-scooters? Like like a bird or a lime, like you know, like an electric scooter. Oh, you know, like like in a big city, you rent one and you just like ride it around and then you toss it and. Oh, overrated. Overrated. (laughs) Why do you feel like overrated? Get get off the sidewalk. Well, that's the funny thing. They're technically supposed to ride on the street, but if you ride on the street, then people almost hit you in their car. So it, it's a no. It's a no-win situation. Right. I have I have one of those scooters. But oh, really? I, no, but but I totally <laughs> understand. I get it. I know a lot of people who hate them. Uh, how about Metallica? 
overrated. Iron Maiden all day. Every I day. knew you liked Iron Maiden. See, <laughs> like, that's the thing is I was like, so many people would be like, Metallica, they're fucking great. They're underrated. I'm like, hey, you can get a Metallica t-shirt at Target or Walmart. You know, they're right. like, everybody knows about them. And, and, and what's funny now is because of this past season of Stranger Things, there's so yes. many young girls now who are like, Metallica. And, and you're like, like, what? And then, then all they know is Master of Puppets. Yeah. And, and yeah. They, well, and I mean, truth be told, I, I've never done a deep dive on Metallica. I, I know that they have good music. Like, if you like metal, especially from that era. But I'm not a huge fan of 80s and 90s metal. Like that's okay. not, you know, so that's just not my, not as much my thing. If I'm gonna listen to metal, it's either gonna be like earlier metal, like 70s kind of stuff, or like 90s and uh, after. For some reason, okay. I don't like the 80s. The hair metal stuff scared okay. me. Yeah. yeah. How about fish tacos? Um, I'll go with underrated. I'll, I'll say underrated because you don't hear uh, a lot of people, I guess probably around this area, even though we do have fish, good fish taco places, yeah. um, really go, hey, you know, for lunch, I'm going to go have a fish taco. <laughs> and I'm not really a person who also does that, you know, but yeah. they're, they're good. I like them. I don't think I've ever eaten a fish taco. Oh, really? Yeah. I think good. maybe tilapia. Maybe, maybe I had that, but Hamilton the Musical. <laughs> so many people are going to kill me for this, but overrated. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. I mean, uh, honestly, give me why. Like, why Why do you feel? Um, she, you could probably do like an hour on this, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've talked to my sister about it because she loves it. Yeah. And so... My wife loves it. She's obsessed. But, my, yeah. my personal opinion is, and you know I'm a huge history buff. Yeah. You know, I when I watch something for historical context, I want it to be historically accurate yeah. and that's just that's just how i'm always gonna have are there liberties know. taken with this i mean I, I assume there's some but uh, it's just you know the the whole the the stylized pieces itself you know it's just so it's like they're making up situations that might not have actually happened right and they're like because it's like they might not have actually talked to them and said that or, yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying yeah not a lot of actual historical evidence to like back up everything in it. Right. Probably. And I'm not saying it's not a, you know, a, a good piece of art, you know, but me as a, his, a historian or a, his, a historical buff, you know, yeah. sitting there going like, ah, I'd rather watch, you know, Hamilton on HBO. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, the musical theater voice. Mm -hmm. uh, we know it's, it's like, it's a very perfect kind of sound that like people make their... And Hamilton's annoying because it's people rapping, but they're doing it in the musical theater voice. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound like rapping to me. Right. It's because the musical theater voice is always too articulate. And it's just like, I mean, I'm like, that's not how, anyway, that, that's just how I feel is that I'm like, I don't think that it, people love it. So good yep. on them. Yep. They make yep. money. <sighs> Pineapple on pizza. Uh, I think underrated. I would okay. say underrated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same uh, we're on the same wavelength on that. Do you? I mean, have you? Do you ever order it, or is it just? I, like... I don't order it, but I mean, if it's there in front of me and I'm allowed to have a piece, I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to have that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we have Adam Sandler. Ah, that okay. So I think maybe 2010, I would say overrated. Yeah. But now, because of some of the work that's coming out with him, I'd say underrated. Like Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems. Yeah. He has another one that I just heard about that will be coming out where he's going to... It's going to be kind of like Uncut Gems, but apparently it's going to be about the uh, trading card um, 
society. Yeah, so, okay. And, and recently, I've gotten into Magic the Gathering, and so I heard that, and I was like, okay, I might have to watch that, because it's a very big deal, yeah. you know, buying and selling those cards, because there's some very pricey ones out there. <laughs> it's crazy to me how Magic the Gathering is still, like, around now, mm -hmm. because it, like, my brother played it in, like, 2005, you know, okay. and it... I didn't think it would last because most games like that haven't really, you know, right. even, I mean, Pokemon, it's crazy because I, I was at like a McDonald's or something a few years ago and like Pokemon cards were being, being given as like the toy mm -hmm. and a Happy Meal. And I was like, as a kid, I would have, looking back on it, I'm like, they, they have no value then. Like if they're in a Happy Meal, you know, right. I remember stores in the mall when I was a kid that were just Pokemon cards mm -hmm. and because it was so popular in the late nineties that you could, there were, you know, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for some cards. But anyway. Uh, golf. Playing golf. Uh, overrated. There's a, a lot of people around here that play too much golf. And also, here's how I feel. Uh, it's kind of a weird use of resources. Because, mm -hmm. like, they always have to make the, the grass, like, kind of perfect. And, yeah. Which requires a lot of water. And, like, that's so much land that I'm always, like... Well, if there's no one out there, you know, on certain days and everything, I'm just like, I wish I could just like walk it or, you know, I had been on a golf course uh, at night when it was like closed down. It's one of the most fun places to be because you're oh, just yeah. like perfectly manicured and uh, it's pretty. Now, I will I will say that I, I do play golf. Okay. I haven't played in a while, yeah. but it, it is. For some okay. reason, I thought I remembered <laughs> that you played golf, so I wasn't sure where that was going to go. But uh, Shrek, like the movie. The movie, uh, underrated. Mm -hmm. Underrated. I, I would say the movie underrated. The the musical, everything <laughs> else, overrated. <laughs> I, I've never seen the musical or heard any music. I feel like I would hate it, though. I, I think the, yeah, the that very first movie was something, you know, else. You know, we were supposed to have Chris Farley voice Shrek. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you can go on oh, YouTube man. and listen to the recordings, because they recorded the whole movie with him. Did he have the accent, though? That he might did not. It oh, was like my. his voice as Shrek, and so you're sitting there <laughs> going like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then he, you know, he passed away, yeah. and so they got Mike Myers to come and do it, and Mike Myers didn't want to do anything like what he had voiced, yeah. so he was like, I'm going to give him a Scottish dialect. And there, there we have Shrek. I think that worked. I mean, it was kind of random, but I think it, you know, the dialects were all over the place in that movie. Because like Lord Farquaad, I think spoke like with an American, like it wasn't, it wasn't really British, was it? It's like American posh. Accent. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what it was. Like a lot of the, or like a three pick number three, me lord. It's like yeah. it's like that's kind of British, but it's like a really weird cartoony British. Anyway, uh, last one, dancing like nobody's watching. Like, if I'm just dancing and nobody's watching, you feel like yourself, oh, yeah. you're just uh, dancing like nobody's watching. Underrated. I feel like I should do it more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in college we used to do it all the time, you know. And I don't know. I'm not big on dancing. I love uh, drumming, but I, for whatever reason, I'm just like uh, because I think here's what it is. If I was in the right environment where people were letting you actually like be who you are, but half the time it's just like. Well, everyone in this room's grinding on each other, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's not, oh, my, yeah, it's not yeah, my form yeah. of dancing, you know. But that's why I didn't like going to dances in high school. Was that it was so popular, basically, to just be like, well, your date's gonna be bent over in front of you during this, you know, this whole like two hours of hip hop songs, and I'm like, it's not what I enjoy doing though. That's just I don't know. It just it feels like a weird uh, <laughs> ritual that we used to have, you know. Uh, I don't. I'm sure they still have it. But anyway, that was just like a fun way to you yeah, know no, kind of. That. Get your opinions on some stuff so people can get to know the real Hudson. Yeah.
I know over the years, everybody's like, who is that guy? What, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people after college is like, is he still alive? <laughs> I feel that way it's about some people where I'm like, well, especially, you know, there are people that we knew uh, in college who were, I guess, you know, maybe I just don't, I'm not connected with them, but like, who were real go-getters mm-hmm. and just seemed like they were like always on it. And then it, I think there's a real disconnect that is like, once you get out of college and you're trying to like get jobs in the real world and everything, it's like, I mean, how many people do you, do we know that uh, it almost seems like, I guess, they're just kind of like not going to do anything creative again? Or, you know, no. it's like they're, they're kind of like, and no offense to that. I know it's hard, but, you know, I've known people over the years, not just from Auburn, but like who they get married and they, they have a kid and they're like, well, I guess I'm just going to work at this uh, car dealership now and then never try to do like acting or this again. And I'm like. So I think what you and I have been trying to like kind of prove or, you know, our whole point in this podcast, a lot of what it's been about at least is that you will, and on a personal level, but on like, I think a, you know, your career and your professional uh, life will benefit from putting your time and energy into yourself, into like your own passion projects or your own creative projects. I think, uh, you know, today's world is just like one where you can't rely on other people to let you uh, do your art. Like if your art is acting, you know, and that's what you really want to do, you got to learn how to write or something. Or, you know, because if you don't put together something that is like an expression of who you are, arts like acting are just going to be, you know, I don't know, it's, it's never really going to happen. Because right. unless, and, and actually I think that's what I was also going to mention is that you don't have to live in a big city. To You and I live in Auburn and uh, we're able to do the things that, you know, we really enjoy. Obviously you know, there's more opportunities to do creative things or live events and all that in a city like Atlanta or, you know, New York or LA or wherever. But I, I don't know. I mean, everybody take this little piece of advice, just like put your money on yourself and, you know, uh, invest in your own ideas because that's really the ones that are going to pay off in the end. Yeah. Um, I agree again, hundred percent. So like, Back to so w- me gaining my motivation. Yeah, a couple of months ago came from me having a couple of nightmares over a couple of periods of time. Where in those nightmares I had lost my ability to perform or entertain, or it was years from now and I did not pursue any of it. And so it was that whole kind of mindset like. I need to get back out there and, you know, still pursue, you know, spot hidden, but also I need to get back out there and, and, and do what, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love entertaining people, you know, and I, I think, you know, also with that, you know, and, and whatever that entertaining is, you know, me and you are talking and entertaining one another yeah. while entertaining an audience, yeah. you know, and so I love that. And I think in today's world also for a lot of artists, especially actors, you hear a lot of people, you know, you, you go to a family dinner or something or an outing and somebody asks you, what do you do? And it's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm an actor. And they're like, oh, so you're, uh, so what, what, what have you been in? What, what, what movies are you like? You know, it's like, oh, well, no, no, I, that's who I am. You know, oh, so you're not a, a professional actor. It's like, what does that mean to be a professional actor? Yeah. You know, like, does that mean... I'm in, I have an IMBD page, you know, I've worked with Sylvester Stallone, yeah. I've been paid this amount. To me, you know, Hollywood hasn't existed, you know, <laughs> that long in yeah. all reality, you know, and 
And so the idea of an actor to me is someone who entertains people. And to say you're a professional actor, I, I just, in my personal opinion, I, I don't think that word should even exist. I don't, an actor is an actor, no matter if you have an IMBD page or if you're, you have a podcast and you're performing your own, yeah. you know, story through a, a game, yeah. you know? Well, it's like I've uh, I've heard a similar comparison, I guess, with uh, comedians where some people, uh, if you're a, uh, an actor who's always acting in comedic roles in like TV, like if you're Kevin James in mm-hmm. uh, in uh, King of Queens, mm-hmm. he's hilarious. He's always, you know, or like Kramer from Seinfeld, like they're, you know, they're hilarious characters on that show. But both of those people in, you know, uh, uh, tried to do stand up and then didn't really do as well. But then the whole thing is, are they, can I call them a comedian? Because they're, or a comic, because it's like, well, they're not a stand-up comic, but they are a comedian because they make people laugh being in this show and everything. So it's, you know, people want to be like, they're an actor. And it's like, no, well, they're a comedian because they're kind of creating comedy and like making people laugh. I, I don't know. I mean, I find that, but I understand what you're saying. I've had people be that way too, even for me, um, on like a videography level where it's like, you know, I'll be like, oh, I make music videos. And then they're like, well, you know, have you, who's like the biggest artist you've worked with? And I'm like, no, you've never heard of them because they're a local Atlanta. I'm like, if you think that I, and I'm like the people who make music videos for people big enough that you would have heard of them. Um, they're not going to tell you that they're going to make up some other job, you know, like if, if, if I'm going to haircut and someone's like, what do you do? You know? I don't, I'm going to say, well, I'm like a videographer, but like most of their people, they don't want to have, because they're tired of people asking them questions like, well, uh, who's the biggest artist you've worked with? And like, have you ever, have you ever worked with two chains? And you're just like, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And you're just like, it, I don't know. It, it make it makes you feel like they see the only way of you having success is you have to reach this like huge height, yep. but that's not, you know, um, also another weird thing in the world of comedy that I've become aware of is that. Uh, late night TV is not a big thing anymore mm-hmm. um, in terms of your career. It's actually crazy because I've heard comedians talk about this all the time. If you're on late night with Jimmy Fallon or even like, you know, when David Letterman was still around or Conan in the past 10 years, it has gone down significantly to where like it used to be 50 years ago. If you were on, uh, if you were on Johnny Carson and he had like, had you perform and everything, everybody in the whole nation knew your name the next day and you were like the biggest comedian and you could just call a club and be like, can I perform? And they're like, we'll pay you $10,000. Like, you know, they wanted you there. Now you get actually more clout off of being on like Joe Rogan's podcast or some big, you know, because people actually watch, millions and millions of people watch that. It's actually gone down to where like, you know, the act, like, and, but I've heard comedians talk about how their parents who are like in their fifties or sixties will be like, Oh, you're on Conan. You really made it. And they're like, actually my ticket sales are doing just as bad as they did before. But then they will be on like Joe Rogan or something like that, you know, and then their ticket sales go through the roof. And right. it's because that's who's actually, that's actually the most engaging thing these days. And I think what I'm saying is there's a distorted view when it comes to creative work. Like you were saying of like what success is and success to me over, has changed so much over the past, you know, 10 years or so. Currently, success to me is, do you pay your bills doing something creative? And, and you know, for me, something creative has even, has been a wide enough thing where I've been like, oh, I'm working for a photography studio and I'm taking checks to the bank. But I consider that to be a creative job compared to, 
you know, uh, working at a restaurant or this or that, or kind of, you know, so I guess my point is like, to me, success is meeting your bare minimum of like what you need in life by doing something you really, really love. Mm -hmm. And for other people, they'd be like, well, no, if you're not like a, you know, you know, millionaire or something doing this, that's not, and I'm like, that's what it takes to be like recognizable, like the way you're talking about. Anyway, I'm ranting, but Point being just that it, it sucks working in a creative field because people don't recognize your success until it's like the highest success imaginable, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, would, I would say um, continuing with that, like to me now it's, you know, and I'm going to sound selfish with this probably, but I'm, I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I want I have stories in my head that come up and I'm like, I want to tell that story either through spot hidden or maybe I write it out. Maybe I film something with it, you know, with my iPhone, you know, but I'm doing it for me, you know, because I think in college that was my problem. Mm -hmm. I was doing it for everybody else to see. I wanted everybody else to see it, but it wasn't, you know, and so that final year I was like, I'm not happy with this. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not happy with my performance because I, I'm not, doing it for myself, you know? And so I finally came to terms with that and said, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm, I'm doing this the right way, but I'm doing it for myself. I, if I want to see this character, then I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there myself, you yeah. know? So it's just stuff like that. You know, I think, you know, for artists, I'm going to break the fourth wall for the artist out there, you know, for that reason you can do that. Oh yeah. So. Um, do it for yourself. Even if there's an audience out there, Perform that character for yourself. Perform that character that you want to see for yourself. And the audience is going to still see that character. But in your heart, you are doing it for yourself. You know, I, well, I don't I think, know if that was too deep or not. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think, I, think I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's more like uh, if all you're thinking about, and, th- and this goes for acting too. Like if you're, if you're an actor... Uh, who you're basically in your head imagining like, well, if I do this, the like the audience will like, they'll like that. That looks good. And it's like, no, you kind of, you have to get into the mind of just like the character and be like, what is their motivation? And sometimes a character's motivation is to do nothing. Right. Like, or that you're or not motivation, but their action is just like, I'm just going to stand here. Right. And I remember that kind of blows your mind as a, as an actor, especially when you start getting into film stuff. Film acting is way different from theater acting. And I remember whenever I took a film acting class and they're just like, you're doing too much. Like every time they'd be, I'd be like, I'm doing half of what I did last time. And they'd be like, do 10% of that half. And I'd be like, all right. And then and they'd be like, Peter, you are obviously a theater actor because like your voice is loud. You use a lot of hands. You move around kind of, a, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, this sucks that, you know, especially if it's a tight shot, you're in like one little box mm-hmm. and, you know, you kind of have to uh, communicate a lot with very little. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, I kind of want to maybe talk about one more thing and then we'll get towards, you know, the, the end of the podcast. Okay. I usually like to kind of, uh, you know, because this is like an interview kind of setting, but it's also fun and conversational. We've kind of been very conversational this one, but, um, I like to talk about, uh, like where you're from originally. And I, I know this, but you know, tell the audience, like, where are you from originally and how did you get started in the arts in general, like, did you start playing music first or did you kind of like start doing acting or like what, how did you get into the creative field? Like, you know, from a yeah. young age. Um, so I grew up in Opelika and Auburn. Um, 
primarily I was originally in Opelika and then my parents divorced and then I went back and forth from Opelika to Auburn. But I was in Auburn City Schools most of my life. But so getting into acting, I was at the age of five and I saw the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. And my family can tell you to this day that usually a child probably at that age would either be scared or probably fall asleep. Some gruesome stuff, especially yeah. near the end where Barmir keeps getting yeah. fucking shot with yeah, the arrows. Yeah. I'm like, that's a creepy scene. Anyway, sorry. I remember to this day standing, not sitting, but standing in the aisle watching that movie. <laughs> Seeing, you know, Moria when they yeah. go into, you know, the Mines of Moria and the music, Howard Shore's music. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. and and be able to be a part of a story like that, yeah. you know, um, and now it's I want to tell that story or I want to, you know, tell my version of something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went uh, and did community theater and theater in high school. And then, of course, you and I met at mm-hmm. Auburn University where we, you know, I was there for four years Uh and I was kind of interject for a second. Uh-huh. Was it hard for you to choose to be like a theater major? Because for me, I had I was I was trying to figure out if I wanted to be like several things. I was like, do I want to be like a something in the arts? I was like, do I want to be like a music major as a drummer? Do I want to be like a theater major or like a? I even thought about like psychology or like mm-hmm. philosophy, things like that. W- were there other majors you were considering, or were you like, I think theater is the thing? Well, know? I've always considered myself an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love making people smile, laugh, you know, telling jokes and stuff, you know, just seeing an audience's reaction. But to me, you know, personally, I, I, I get joy out of that, you know? And so it was always performance. Now I, my senior year of high school, my mom took me out to uh, California, Mm -hmm. to LA because I, my dream was to go to USC Mm -hmm. and the, amount of money to you know get you there you know and then steven spielberg went and i believe george lucas went you know i mean that's kind of how i thought too because i i romanticized uh jim morrison from the doors (laughs) because he went to film school there and like i wanted to move to la so bad like it just it it sounded like something that was exactly what i wanted sounds like you were kind of in the same way that you were like that's where i need to go to make movies exactly because you you sit there and you you know because i i love watching a movie but i i love it possibly a little bit more than just watching the movie, watching the behind the scenes of the movie yeah. and hearing the director's commentary mm-hmm. or the actor's commentary. And so I used to watch, you know, the behind the scenes of the Lord of the Rings. Those are just fabulous because they, four hours. Of they documented behind, everything. Everything. And so they'll sit there and talk about, you know, where they went to film school and stuff, all that, you know, and, and I think, you know, when I would watch Star Wars, they would talk about USC, how I, I believe mm. it was George and Steven Spielberg who both attended mm. USC. Um, but I remember just kept hearing that name and I would look it up and stuff. And I was like, man, if I'm going to be able to make a movie one day like these movies, I got to go to USC. Yeah. And, you know, funny enough, you realize, you know, a couple of years down the road, it's no, nah, I mean, you can... You know, Sylvester Stallone is a great example of somebody who went from literally nothing. One of my favorite, you know, underdog stories. Yeah. He literally went from sleeping in a car, mm-hmm. having to sell off his dog to, you know. Having to do pornos. Yeah, for, do pornos. Know, I mean. To, you know, be able to eat, you know, and had a script. And that one script he passed along to different film yeah. companies. They finally purchased it. He told them, nobody else is going to play Rocky but yeah. me. 
and it won his first, you know, Oscar also. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, I'm just like, yeah, it, you, you don't have to, you know, it, it does help if you live in a, a big city or go to, you know, a nice film school mm-hmm. and stuff. But if you've got the talent, if you have the heart, you know, and the story, I mm-hmm. mean, you, you can make some good art. You just reminded me, though, that the irony, though, of Sylvester Stallone, while he was box office successful throughout like his whole career, especially the 80s. Mm-hmm. Did he really make that many other movies, though, that were like as artistically like it seemed like most of the other movies he was popular for, like Rambo, were kind of shallow. I'm mean, going to say shallow. I mean, more action packed and less like, like I think Rocky was really the only series that he made that was like, you know, his, his thing and it was more deep and all that. But like. I can't remember. Did he make other movies, or was it mainly the Rocky series? So, First Blood, he he helped with. Okay. I, I think he possibly wrote the script. And I'm not hating on Rambo. No, I'm just no. saying it's not as like it doesn't have as much heart as Rocky does. Well, the original ending got swiped out of the picture because gotcha. of the production company. They wanted it to be a franchise, like uh, Rocky was going to be, and so the original ending for First Blood was Rambo killing himself. Now that would have been interesting. Yes. And so if you think of it that way, it's yeah. more of a, wow, that's a very depressing movie. This guy goes on a rampage in the woods. He gets, you know, his uh, colonel who he's been looking for right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then he takes his life, you know. Um, but yeah, no, then then the company, I think, took over part two, part three. Yeah. And you have two other ones. And then the last one that just came out, uh, Rambo, Rambo Last Blood, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Final, the Final Blood. That one's actually pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, because it kind of harks back to that original kind of script where it's much darker. You know, he, he's going to Mexico to try to get his uh, granddaughter back. Yeah. He's been kidnapped by the cartel. And, you know, I won't spoil the story, but it's it's very good. Um, I've never seen any of them all the way through. I've always seen, like, bits of the movies. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's no hate to Sylvester Stallone. It's just me saying, like, it's kind of funny that he became popular for Rocky, which everyone was like, he's good acting, good directing. Like, it's a, it's a heartfelt story and all this. And then it's like the rest of his career seemed to be like, we just want you to be ripped and shooting people. Yeah. Like, we don't really care about, you know, you having a brain and a heart. We just want you to be a big body. Kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But well, And I, I think it's just the style of the 80s. You know, you got to that point where it was like Arnold did... Conan the yeah. Barbarian, then Conan the Destroyer, and yeah. you had Rocky and then Rambo, and so people are like, these are our two, you know, physically physique, yeah. you know, uh, action pack adventure guys, you know, let's put them in those type of movies. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you ever get, seen Hot Shots? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, when, especially when he, my favorite part is when he's on the boat. And he goes past his dad, who's dressed like himself from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like farce movies were so popular in like the eighties, mm-hmm. and then they were so popular in like the mid. Remember, like when like disaster movie and like it was like the after scary movie kind of wave of them, and then they just got really bad. And yeah. I feel like nobody makes farce movies anymore because they're kind of like. I don't know. Some people see it as like lowbrow humor. I think it's it, it is some of the highest brow humor though because it's like uh, it's a lot of wordplay. It's it's like Shakespearean in a way because it's you know the like I love you know the whole thing on airplane of like a uh, that's when I developed my drinking problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, what? but it's so funny. It, I I agree. The uh, and I think it's also just the the climate that we live in. Yeah, that's is, true. You know, going back to what we we're talking about yeah. earlier with comedy, you know, there's some stuff that you can't say. You know, and 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 there are a lot of 
pretty inappropriate jokes, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, even down to just like, even stuff that just like, you know, it might involve a child or something, and you're like, uh, we might not make that joke these days, yeah. but, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, was there anything else? Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, we were talking about, you know, kind of like you and how you got into creative stuff. Did you, did you feel like you kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, um, you know, that that's the place I'm yeah. in now, and I'm, I'm very happy that we are, you know, back to talking and, yeah, and man. doing this, and, you know, hopefully... Me and you can make something, you know. I agree. <laughs> and I'm on the same page. And I was going to say, I, I enjoy talking to people like you who I relate to people like you because uh, we, you're not like, I, I can't stand talking to people who, I don't know why I say I can't stand, but like, it, it's annoying to me when I meet somebody who's like, I'm an actor. I do nothing else. I just act. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm a singer. I just sing. That's all. I, and I'm like, in today's world, you got to learn some other skills, yep. and and you you and I both since the last time we saw each other, it seems have kind of like expanded our repertoire of like what we're able to do, uh, and you know, and because you have to these days, most people these days, if you want to be an actor, a podcaster, a comedian, a musician, or anything, you also have to learn how to be like a, a video editor and mm-hmm. a graphic designer in a way to make logos or posters and stuff. I mean, you guys have probably dealt with that on Spot Hidden that. It's so much, so many little things that you, you want to have to make your thing look professional, but it takes forever. Like when I'm releasing a podcast episode, it's doing it all by myself. It's a lot. So, um, but anyway, I mean, I'm really bad. I think maybe it's because we're so comfortable. I've just been just like rambling this whole podcast. I I forget the camera's going most of the time. I'm just talking to you. (laughs) Well, truth be told, like I, I think a a prank I could play on somebody, uh, and it would probably just like hurt their brain is just like going to like a bar and then just like start talking to somebody mm-hmm. and then just seeing like how long they can sit there and listen to me just like ramble. Cause I'm really <laughs> good at it. Like, you know, just kind of like keeping the flow of the conversation going, even though they're not talking anyway. Um, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I, you know, sketch comedy is really good to me. We should make some sketches. Like that would be, that'd be pretty fun. I'm not down. pranks, but like, you know, no, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Silly shit. Anyway. Um, Dude, it's been great to yeah. reconnect and everything, and um, I'm sure we'll either have you back on, or you know, we'll we'll have a we'll be we'll be in touch, we'll be in communication. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, be, yeah. You know, and all that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, and wait, oh, actually, real quick before, sorry, before we fully sign off, because we didn't do this at the beginning. Give everybody uh your uh where they can find you on social media, either spot hidden or personal, and uh, Twitch and YouTube and all that. If you want to promote, of course, kind of stuff. Um, so you can all follow me on. Instagram at huddy.hubs. I do have Facebook, but I don't get on Facebook. Um, Instagram's e- the easiest for me. Um, yeah, so Spot Hidden, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. I don't think we have a Facebook, but Instagram or Twitter. And uh, Twitch, it's uh, twitch.tv slash Spot Hidden. Uh, right now we go from Tuesday nights at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And yeah, and that's uh, pretty much the socials. Cool. Please give us a, a, a follow if you can, you know? Yeah. And I guess keep your eyes out for whatever me and Hudson end up collaborating on. Yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. there's something going on. You're I know. Going to get some uh, content going. Um, cool. Well, again, thank you so much. You can follow us uh, at Psychoactivision on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, please subscribe to the Psychoactivision YouTube channel because. I got some problems with you people who aren't subscribing when you like and follow or you you like the video, you watch the video, and then you're like, I have a YouTube account. I don't feel like subscribing. 
just do it. it. It means a lot more to me than it does to you. Come on. Anyway, anyway, uh, subscribe to us, subscribe to Hudson. It's been a good conversation. Oh yeah. I've yeah, enjoyed man. it. Awesome. Thanks. 